All right, we are continuing in our series where if it's your first week here or if it's your second week here for the series, I just want to reaffirm the title and the importance of understanding the title, that this is me in my big mouth. This is not your mother-in-law in her big mouth. This is not your wife, your husband, your sister, the person at work. This is me in my big mouth. So I'm going to just have you say the title with me. We're going to say it all together so we know that we're all on the same page. Me and my big mouth. One more time. Me and my big mouth. All right, that's good. That's where we're at because the fact is we have gotten in trouble personally because of the words that have flowed right out of here, right? I mean, there's a mistake that, that men make and usually they only have to make it once before they learn their lesson. It's the statement, when is that baby due? Yeah. And there's no baby, and there's no escape from that moment either. I mean, the best thing to do is just to turn and, and run at that moment. But that's a mistake a guy should only make once. You know, God has given us a pause button, a stop button on our mouth, but we really need that rewind button, don't we, to go back and fix the words that came out. And today, we're really looking at a passage that emphasizes the importance and the power of our words. And we're going to be looking at James 3 today, but before we get there, there's a couple pieces of the way that words have affected us that I wanted to bring back to your memory, because it's going to help reinforce what this passage is saying as far as the importance and the power of words, because other people's words have shaped you in a lot of ways that you may not have reflected upon before, or maybe they've shaped you in ways that you wish you could forget, because the truth is, a lot of what we see in the mirror about ourselves was determined by someone else's description of who we are. Someone else's criticisms. Someone else saying you're not the right shape, you're not the right height, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're not this, you're not that. And so much of other people's words have actually shaped who we see when we look in the mirror. And, and to just be straight honest with you, those other people generally don't have the wisdom and they don't have the right to have that much authority in your mind. What they've said is usually not the truth about who you are, but we've received those words whether we like it or not. Other people's words have taken someone who doesn't have confidence and courage, and they've given them confidence and courage. And, and you know, if you grew up in the 80s like I did, we didn't have YouTube to prove how stupid we are like the current generation does. But you know, there was that time you made the homemade ramp with a cooler and a board, told your friend, you can definitely ride your bike and go right over the mailbox. Like you've had those moments. And they didn't have the confidence, but you gave it to them. And they didn't have the abilities and they wrecked. And, and there's times where words, they'll provide confidence that shouldn't be there. There's times where the other is true as well. Where someone has the gift, they have, have the ability to do it, they have the calling, but someone else saying, I don't think you could pull it off, took someone who had confidence, had calling, had ability, and they stepped out. And they let fear creep in. Words have this tremendous power to redirect and change the course of our life. Sometimes it's used for good, sometimes it's used for bad. And as we talk about the power and the significance of words and what we say and what people have said to us, I want you to kind of call back and see those moments. Because when you think of, okay, what are the, what are the things that people have said to me? Usually the criticisms are the easiest thing to remember. I can remember when it hurt when they said, 
this to me. But the encouraging words sometimes can be harder to find even though we know, okay, those words have been there, but I can't remember the exact words that they said. And and for some reason, words, they they don't have an equal balance. It's like criticisms, they, they stay heavier in our mind than the encouraging words have. Which is something for us to recognize because when we let those criticisms slip out, it's not like one for one. It's not like I said I'm sorry and now it's all better. It, you know, it, it's like it, it's, you can compare it to if I slammed your hand in my car door and I said I'm sorry, it's not going to change our hospital trip any. Like it doesn't take away all the pain right away. The same is true with words. And it often takes greater time, greater effort, and more description to repair the damage that's been done, which just gives more weight to this this concept that we have to choose our words carefully. Last week, we talked about James 1, and we talked about being quick to listen and slow to speak. And that is so important because when we understand the power of words and the way that they change the direction of people's lives, it just gives greater influence to that truth that we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Today, we're going to be looking and studying the passage is from James chapter 3, verses 2 through 9. So if you have your Bible, you can open there. We're going to start in verse 2, and we're going to work through the verses together. And it start, starts off in a great place because this includes everybody. It starts off in verse three, or verse 2 in chapter 3. and says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. We're all in there. For if we control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. The passage starts off and it's giving this description that if you can get down, if you can control your words, then all those other areas, they're going to feel easy to do. They're going to get in line quickly. But the, the, the challenging thing, the difficult thing is the words, it is what we say. And, and I love how it includes we all make many mistakes. This is something that everyone struggles with and we all can relate to. And, and he begins to describe the struggle and he starts to illustrate it in this passage. And he uses, uses a couple different pictures to help us understand the way that words direct us, the way that words change the, the course of our life. And in verse 3, he begins the illustration and he says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And, and it draws this picture that if you get control of a horse's mouth, you can actually control where, their whole, where the whole animal goes. And I don't know how long it's been since you've been around a horse. I mean, we've got a couple people who live on the farm, and that's cool, but if it's been a while, I just want to remind you of, of the stature of a horse. I mean, I was reminded of this a couple years ago at my daughter's birthday party. I have a picture to show you. This is my, my daughter, Odessa. Isn't that like the cutest picture ever? That's so good. But when we got there, and she first got near that horse, and I mean, you see the size of its head against her head. She was afraid to get close to it, because this, this is a powerful animal. I mean, every little twitch, it's like these muscles just flex and pop out. And and we had to coach her up, and we had to encourage her, and and we had to say, okay, it's okay to get close. And it took her a few moments to where she got close enough to where she would touch it, where she had this amazing picture, and then she rode on the horse. And, I mean, her legs barely could, like, fit across the saddle. I mean, like, she's doing a split because the horse is so wide. It's such a big creature. But when she had the reins, and she pulled on the left— that horse went to the left. When she pulled on the right, it went to the right. And this tremendously powerful, strong animal was controlled by its mouth. 
And, and he begins to, to write this illustration out of we make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And, and, and the same he's going to begin to paint. The same is true with you. That if you can get control of your mouth, you're going to begin to have greater control of where your life is supposed to be going. And, and, and this incredible creature that, that's huge in this one small part, it has this huge influence. And this is the main thought from today's message. I mean, it's a very simple message that, that small part, big influence. Small part, big influence. And, and this is important, and, and I really think this is a battleground in your mind as I deliver this message because it's so easy to be like, it's just words. It's not a big deal. Like, I, I didn't mean it that way. It wasn't a big deal. I just said it. But we know as we kind of dialed through our own history, the way that we see ourselves in the mirror that words have greatly shaped how we see ourselves. And it's, it's not just as simple as being words. Our words carry way more weight than we often realize. It has the power to redirect our life and redirect the lives of other people around us. James continues this illustration into verse 4. And he says, And a small rudder on a boat makes a, a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. I mean, a huge boat within winds that, that are trying to force the boat in one direction. The rudder on the back, the, this small plank of wood that's on the back, it will actually, against the power of the wind, against the power of the water, against the weight of the boat, it will redirect the entire ship. And the comparison is, and so it is with your tongue. So it is with your words. When we begin to get control of our words, it actually can redirect our life. And I don't know if you've ever been in a boat that feels out of control or been in a car that feels like they're about to lose control. If you're sitting in the passenger seat, in the back seat, and the person is losing control, and they decide, well, this is getting out of control, I'm just going to take my hands off the wheel. From the back seat, you're going to find a way to get your hands on the wheel. Because the right thing when things are getting bad is not to just give up control. It's to get greater control. When you start to feel the swerve and the loss of control, it's not time to let go. It's time to hold on even tighter and get this thing back in the lane it's supposed to be. But in our conversations so often, when things start to swerve out of control, we decide, okay, the proper thing for me to do, since my ego has been hurt, my emotion has been hurt, what I'm going to do, since things are starting to feel out of control, I'm just going to let go of the steering wheel. I'm going to say whatever I want. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to let them know. I'm going to put them in check. And we get far away from the, you know, the, the, the quick to listen, slow to speak concept. And this is the natural thing for us. And I want to tell you, I feel that pull as well. We all do. But this passage is something that we have to learn and we have to learn to apply to our life. But first it comes with the recognition that our words matter. That, that when we get into that situation where things are tense, where things are beginning to swerve out of control, we have to recognize that the words that I'm about to say, they matter. And when I let loose on my tongue and I say things that are destructive, I can't just fix it with one simple statement. And in fact, when I lose it, this very well could be one of those things that, that they hold on to for a while, that it takes time to heal. Because when you wound someone, it does take time to heal. Our words, they, they can redirect entire lives. They, they redirect our life. They, they set the direction that we're, that we're going. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. 
even though the winds are strong? Are you setting the course for your life with the words that you speak? Are you setting the course for your family that you lead with the words that you speak? Because I I know that in your heart, you dearly want that person that you love and care about, you want them to feel it and you want them to know it. You want it to be clear to them that they're important to you. But there's this obstacle and there's this emotion and this feeling that it's hard to get those words out. I mean, you know the relationship that you want, but really one of the biggest hurdles to make the relationship that you're in be what you want it to be is just getting those words out. They have the power to set the course for your relationship. They have the power to set the course for your spiritual life and the way that you live. I'd even tell you, if you're a new believer and you haven't exercised this before, this is one of the powerful parts of prayer is that you have this sense in your heart that, God, I love you. I want to do your will. I want to live your way. I'm going to tell you, that sense that you have internally, when you, when you put that out verbally, there's this greater accountability that you feel in it. There's this greater call to action that you feel. And so when you pray out loud to God and say, God, I don't want to do this anymore, it helps you. And when you tell your spouse or your significant other or, or the people who are close to you, you say, I want to begin to live this way, and you put those words out there, it brings you to this greater accountability, and it sets the course for the direction that your life is going to go. And we don't recognize the power of our words far too often because when we speak this way, it'll actually help us move in the correct direction. We talk about lots of other things. We talk about lots of other boasts, but often we don't talk about the things that we really know we need in our life, the things that we really know that we need in our relationships. So if you want to change your life, Start with changing your words. Start fighting that fight. And it's going to begin to open up brand new doors for you. In verse 5, he continues on and he says, In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. The capacity for what our words can do, the power of our words, even though they seem so small, they can light an entire forest on fire. I, I grabbed a picture of a forest fire just because I, when, when we see it, it's like, man, that, that's intense. It, it, it's insane how so many trees and so many acres of land can be destroyed by just one spark, by one small match, one campfire that was left unattended. And, you know, like most of, most of the arguments that we, that we have, like, it was one small thing. Like, I didn't intend on that to happen. You know, most forest fires, they don't happen on purpose. And maybe that looks kind of like the dinner conversation last night at your house. Maybe that's the emotion of what it, what it felt like. It was like one small word that was spoken, and it, and it opened up this whole can of worms. Maybe last time you were visiting with your relatives, it was like one thing. I didn't mean it that way, but everybody else took it the wrong way, and then everybody was all upset, and it was like the whole house was on fire, and people were crying, and it got bad, but everybody just misunderstood me. And what you should hear in that is I said something that's wrong, and then it's their fault that they took it the wrong way. And we need to recognize that we have responsibility, whether we meant to set the fire or not. We have responsibility for the words that we have spoken. 
We have responsibility for the damage that is caused. But all of that responsibility is hard to hold on to if you won't first recognize the fact that your words have power. That your words have impact. That the small, passing, critical statement can just be like a match that sets a forest on fire. Your words, they matter tremendously. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set an entire forest on fire. He continues into verse 6 and says, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the, your entire body. And you know this because when, when you have a toddler or a young child and they say, they, they talk back to you, it's amazing how quickly a child can learn to talk back to you. You can't even speak in full sentences yet, but you just got mouthy at me. And, and you don't take the toddler and say, hey, your mouth is in timeout right now. No, like your whole body is in timeout. Like your words have affected your whole person. And so you're going to sit over there and think about what you did while I go over here and I collect my cool before I set something on fire. Like, like that's how it is. It's the whole body that gets affected by words. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Its whole world, it has a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. Your words will affect all of you. And then it goes deep here in this passage. It says, it can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. And it's continuing this illustration of the spark in the fire, and it's making this subtle call back to the very first sin. The very first sin in the garden, it wasn't just because there was opportunity to eat of the tree, but it was because of the, the, the lie that was spoken. The misuse of the words that gave birth to all of the misuse of words. This spark, this tendency to use our words for destruction rather than giving life, it was it, that 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 tendency was created at that very first sin, sin, which is what this is calling reference to when it says, it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Every, every kind of evil, all of them, murder, theft, adultery, divorce, we know that all of these conflicts, they start with a misuse of words. But we never really see the first few words as being the, the real cause. Because we don't give weight, we don't, we don't give importance to those words like we should. Which is, church, what I really want you to begin to do. I really want you to see that the words that I speak, they matter. But once again, this is me and my big mouth, not, not anyone else. This isn't about them, this is about you. And, and within our households, we lead by example. We set the example. And if we want to change the way that our household speaks, we first change the way that we speak. When we mess up, we correct ourselves. And when, when they see us correcting ourselves, they know, oh, I better correct this or they're going to correct me next. We lead by example on this because all of these conflicts, all of these problems, they, they, they first start showing up in our words. They show up in the way that we speak. And we can figure out how to control so many other things. But man, the tongue, it's elusive. In verse 7, it says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. This is the capacity that our tongue has. It can be used for incredible, incredible destruction. And, and we as people, we don't live in fear of tigers. Like we're not worried about them on a daily basis or bears or lions or anything else that 
Dorothy and Toto and, and them were worried about. Like, the, the, that's not our concern. We figured out how to control all those things. But we haven't figured out is how to control the tongue. And, and no human ha- has been able to fully tame this. And this is one of those things. It's like we can, we can fix one problem on one day in, in some areas. And it's like, okay, we figured that out. We don't mess with it anymore. But the tongue is something different than that. It's not like we tame it and then it's just figured out. But this is something that when we recognize that this is an issue that I need to exert some control over, the way that I speak, it's not like I figured it out this one Sunday at church and then I was good. It's like I realized there was a fight that's going on that I didn't even know I was fighting. And so now I have to fight this fight every morning when I wake up. I I have to think about this as I'm going to bed at night. This is an area that I need to engage in on a daily, hourly, minutely basis. I mean, minute by minute, like this is something that, that if we're going to engage it, it it's not something that's like we, we, we tamed it, we, we conquered it. It's something that we're going to continue to be up against. Verse 9 talks about and continues to explain why how we speak is so important when it says in verse 9, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Now, we know how to talk to God. Like, we're not stupid. Like, we're not going to, you know, rip him apart because he's powerful, because he's strong, because we understand the consequences. He's in the judgment chair and we're not. So we know how to talk to God. But the people in the parking lot, the people, <laughs> these people on Del Prado, like, put your phone down and drive. Like, these people will have some stuff to say to but these are the people that are created in the image of God. These are the people that were written about when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. These are the people that in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And these are the people that feel influence when we speak words to them. I mean, that, that stranger in the checkout line that like we just are happen to be next to, that we can just turn out and say, hey, just wanted you to know, you're awesome. And they'll be genuinely confused of why that stranger just encouraged me. But you know that when someone hears that, it just, it just lifts them up a little bit. They might not understand why, they might not understand who you are, they may never talk to you again, but just for that moment, you lifted them up. And that's a power that your words have, but it's a power that we rarely exert. But cut me off on Del Prado, I will exert some power from my words. But it's this thing, it's like there's this normal choir of voices that the world, the way the world sings, the way the world talks, and we're used to talking that way. But I believe that scripture calls us out and says, I want you to understand and use your words and your speech in a different way. And this does not come natural, and this is why we have to write to you about it. This is a skill and a behavior and a decision and a discipline that has to be learned and applied to your life. And it is something that you will succeed in and it is something that you will fail in. And sometimes we praise our Lord and Father and sometimes we curse those who have been made in the image of God. And in verse 10, and it says, and so blessings and curses pour out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. I love when it says pouring out because it reminds me of something that mama used to say to me growing up. And I'm sorry for this picture, but she said some people suffer from verbal diarrhea and they try to hold it in, but they just can't and they just pour out those words. 
And, and, and you know, those curses, they just seem to kind of pour out sometimes. But it doesn't make sense for blessings and curses to be flowing out of the same place. I mean, I, you know, it's one of those things like the power of words and the importance of what we say. If I, if I did in 30 seconds, I could, I could say some stupid stuff and you guys would be like, hey, remember when Paul used to be the pastor of Gulfside Church? Like, like words, they can do something quick if you say the things that, that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. But, but the, the thing about us as Christians, as Christ followers, is that the, the well that is inside of us, I, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the rest of this verse. In verse 11, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? No. Does a fig tree produce olives? No. Or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. The spring that is inside of us, the thing that is supposed to give birth to our words and our actions, is supposed to be the indwelling presence of Christ. The, the fact that we have been given the Spirit of God to live in us, to guide us from that moment where we first said yes to God and we received salvation. From that moment, that's the well that we're supposed to have flowing from our life. And so it is confusing to the people close to us. It is confusing to our city when they see Christians who claim Christ on Sunday, but, but all throughout the week, it's just bitter water. We have to make the decision that what wells up in our heart, the love of God, the grace of God, that he has poured into our heart, that has to be what flows out into the people who come into contact with us. And the whole passage gives the context to you won't be perfect at this. The whole passage starts off that way. And so this is not a call to perfection. This is a call to awareness that your words are incredibly powerful. And as someone who follows Christ, what flows out of us should carry that same grace and that same love and that same integrity that is found in Christ. As he, as he ends these verses and he's described how difficult this is and how much challenge there is to this, he offers no solution. He moves to the next topic, which is like, thanks, James. Like, this is, this is a fight. This is untamable. This shouldn't be happening. And you didn't really tell us how to fix it. Well, I think that his writing was largely, this is an awareness that you have to have. I mean, we understand, and Scripture provides this, and we're going to look next week at more ways of how we're supposed to use our words. But today, the thing that I really want to sink in with your head and sink in with your heart is that my words, they matter. Last week we talked about, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. We, we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak because the words we choose, they matter. And so I want to give you three tools. And band, if you guys want to start making your way up, I'm going to start moving towards the close on this. The first word is remember. Remember the power of your words. This week, as you begin your day, I want you to start off with these three words for the next seven days. I want you to remember the power of your words because the power is extraordinary. You can change someone's day and you don't even know their name. The, the kids that are in your household, you can change the way their day starts by the way that you speak to them. By calling up one of your relatives that you care about but you haven't taken the time to talk to, 
You can change their day. You have an extraordinary amount of power in your words. The next word is surrender. Surrender how you speak as an act of worship. This is the recognition that God cares about the way that we speak. And this is so in line, this struggle with words is so in line with our relationship with God because it's, we're not called to like a one time, like we make this one decision and then we're done with God. We just live the rest of our life after this one decision. We're called into a daily relationship with him. We're called into this daily fight to, to use our words for what they're supposed to be used for. Romans 12:1 talks about it well when it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find accept- acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This idea of a living sacrifice, it's something that you have to live through. You have to continue in. Our relationship with God, it's ongoing. Our relationship with with this fight that we fight about our words, it's ongoing. It's a daily thing. And when we surrender the way that we speak and day after day, we we, we realize, and this is the recognition that you need, is that it's not just words, it's worship. The conversations that we have with our family, it's not just words to them, but it should be worship to our Heavenly Father. I'm gonna lift this child up. I am gonna speak grace. I'm going to pause on what I was going to say because I recognize I can honor God by the way that I speak to them. And my Heavenly Father sees this as, a, as an act of worship because this person he created in his image, this person he has a plan for, this person he dearly loves. And so I will step back from my offense and I'll speak as though I am speaking on Christ's behalf as an ambassador for him, sharing of this incredible grace that we've been given. And the last word is confess. Confess openly when you mess up. This can be challenging, especially for, for us guys. We don't like to always admit fault, but this is part of honoring God in our words, that when we mess up and we recognize that we will, of saying, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I don't want to talk that way. I don't want to talk that way to you. I, that was not my intention. And I want you to know that I'm sorry. And, and this is important because this is, it's a hard line to follow. And we know that in our kids, we don't want our kids acting like they know, we know everything. And the best way for us to teach them that is for us to confess when we make mistakes. You know, at my house, When you walk in the front door, there's a little bit of tile and then there's carpet and there's a wall that runs along it. And for some reason, that spot on the carpet became the place where all the shoes went. And so within like a month, there's a black blob that runs along the carpet of where all our shoes go from all the dirt on the bottom of them. And my carpet cleaner guy, he loves that. I mean, because I am sending his kids to college, I think. Like he's there cleaning these spots out of my carpet all the time. And so when we got it, I was like, I was firm with my kids. I was like, we are not going to sit our shoes here anymore. We are keeping our shoes on the tile. Do not do this again. Next day, I walk in the house and what do I do? I set my shoes on the carpet. My daughter's coming in behind me. Some of them are doing it on the tile. One of them's doing exactly what I'm doing. And I didn't even really notice them, but I was like, ah, I'm sorry, guys. I broke the rule. I pick up my shoes and I move them. And my daughter, who I didn't even really notice what she was doing, she goes, oh, I forgot too. And she picked them up. And it was amazing how me correcting my behavior, me saying, oh, I did that wrong, created a really safe space for her to say, oh, I, I messed up too. 
And that's part of why we have to be a people who are comfortable confessing. People who are comfortable saying, I didn't do that right. Whether it's our words or other things. Because it creates an atmosphere of grace that allows other people to not be perfect either. We know we want other people to act that way. But I believe that it starts with us. Remember, surrender, and confess. This whole topic, it's challenging. I think part of it's challenging because we've made so little of the power of words in the past. But I also know that this passage teaches us that when we get control of this one area, it can redirect our life. And so I want to just finish with this picture of if we did have one choir that was singing one song, the way that the world sings, the way that the world speaks, we have one choir that is, this is God's people talking the way that they should talk, singing the way that they should sing, being who they're supposed to be. Where has our voice been this last week? Recognize it. But more importantly, make the decision, where is your voice going to be today? Are you going to begin to choose to fight this battle? Are you going to begin to choose, are you going to choose to see that this is an issue that you need to address? Because if you do, Scripture tells us it has the power to redirect your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your grace. And in the face of countless mistakes and countless times where we have fallen short, you continue to show grace. But as you put it on our hearts today of recognizing the power of our words and our ability and the opportunity that we have to use these words to influence others for good, help us to be conscious of it. Help us to start our day off remembering, surrendering, confessing this area before you. And as we take this step, we know that you'll meet us there. So Father, give us strength to win this fight today. And we pray that you would encourage those close to us, encourage other people in our city, because we choose to honor you in this area. Thank you for this great opportunity. In Jesus' name.